0: What are the differences between men and women? Because people are asking, why? See, their assumption is we're all the same. Men and women are the same. Yeah, there are outside physical differences, but on the inside, we're all the same thing. So why would God say, well, then only the men should do the preaching in church. Only the men should be leading the church. Why would God do that? Because we're all the same. Is God, like, discriminating against women or something? Again, their working assumption is we're all the same. It seems to be assumed that when God came to assigning different gender roles, he said, well, look, I made a family, there's a man and a woman, hmm, I think somebody's got to lead, like somebody's got to have the last word or something, by the way, that's not the big part about leading, but anyway, somebody's got to have the last word, should it be the man or the woman, man, I don't know, you know, they're the same, I'll just flip a coin, and God flipped a coin, Gabriel called it, heads, it was heads, the man, you're going to be the leader. Welcome to Grounded. I'm Steve Hartland, pastor at Cornerstone Community Church here in Joppa, Maryland. And today's topic is, well, this will be interesting, masculinity and femininity. Masculinity and femininity. So here's a classic verse about that out of the Bible to get us started. It's Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them masculinity and femininity. So let's start off here. Let's talk about boys and girls. Let's talk about a girl and her doll and a boy and a G.I. Joe. So I have granddaughters. I get to see girls with their dolls. I was a boy. I had a G.I. Joe. I'm talking from experience here, though my sampling is admittedly pretty small. Give a girl a doll. What does she do? It becomes another person to her. She has a relationship with it. She finds it socially interesting. She has tea with it at a little table. She talks to it. She brushes its hair. She changes her outfit. She has a, a, a relationship with that doll. Here's one of the things to know about femininity. Women are interested in people and relationships, and they nurture. By contrast, men are interested in things and systems, and they don't do so good at nurture. That's a girl and a doll. Now, what about me and my G.I. Joe? So I thought G.I. Joe looked really cool because I was absolutely into everything military. So when G.I. Joe came out and there were advertisements on the television and it looked so cool and I said I wanted one. And my parents got me one for Christmas. And then I discovered this. It didn't do anything. Like it would just sit there. You couldn't do anything with it, really. Like, I wasn't into having a relationship with it or talking to it or making it walk or anything. So it was kind of boring, and I pretty much ignored it and never played with it. Actually, here's what I did, and I bet here's what a lot of other boys do. I figured out, well, it's no fun, so maybe I can make it fun. So you start to wonder, you look at it, and you wonder, hmm, what would happen if I grabbed his arm and jerked it upward? Well, his arm comes out. Oh, that was funny. That makes you laugh. It's kind of cool. Um, So you're not relating to him as a person. You're relating to him, him, it as a thing. Um, I can imagine, I don't know if I ever did this. I can imagine some boys I know. Their dad's actually in this room right now. And maybe one of those boys would grab a G.I. Joe by the ankles and swing it around and slam it into the wall just to see what happens. And laugh when it hits the wall and bounces off. If your girl did that with her doll you would be very concerned, like something is really wrong here. You might want to get her some therapy, but not with your boy. You just say, oh, that's how boys are. Boys and girls are different, and boys and gr- girls grow up to be women and men, and when they do, they remain different. Men and women are very different. They're the same a lot too, but there are also a lot of and pretty dramatic differences, equally wonderful but different. A man is not a woman in more ways than just physical, and a woman is not a man in more ways than just physical, and that's some of what we're going to see in this podcast. Back to boys slamming for a minute. Boys love to slam themselves into other boys. That's why there's a sport called football, and they love it. They love slamming into that other guy and getting slammed by the other guy. They love hitting the dirt hard. They get up and laugh and say, let's do it again. And they'll do it all day till they're exhausted. Or mom calls and says, come have dinner. Does that end at puberty? No, it actually continues. It actually intensifies as the presence of testosterone in the boy's system intensifies. Men and women are different. Let me give you a few other examples. Hope you enjoy these. We are going to get to some scripture, but you have to wait a while. I'm going to talk about masculinity and femininity more for a while. So here's a a room with toys. Send in a boy and a girl. Guess what they choose. You let them choose whatever they want. Boys, there have been lots of tests about this. We know this is true. Boys will spend 90% of their time playing with cars and trucks. Girls, zero. Uh, The people who study these things say boys prefer trucks because they find trucks, etc. Mechanically interesting. And in playing with their trucks, they are fostering their visuospatial skills. There is a very large gap. There's a very large difference between men and women in terms of visuospatial skills. That will come up later. Girls are drawn to things that are relationally interesting. Dolls. horse toys. Now, three of my granddaughters who live in one house with their mom and dad and their brother, 3 those three granddaughters are into horses. I'm not kidding. They have hundreds of little plastic horse toys. And yet yesterday, my wife took them out shopping somewhere and they went straight to the bin with the little horse toys and dug through it and knew just what they wanted and picked out the ones they wanted. And they have a relationship with those horse toys. Their brother, not at all. Girls like toys that are animals, animal toys, things that are soft for cuddling, things that are soft for nurturing. Boys pick things that are hard, like a truck made of steel or hard plastic. This is not learned. This is not due to socialization. It's due to DNA. It's due to powerful chemicals. In the girl, that would be oxytocin and progesterone. And in a boy, it would be testosterone. So, all right, here you go, podcast listeners. I have a true or false for you. True or false, men and women are very different. Let me make it a little more. Men and women are very different, not just bodily, but the bodily differences actually indicate, hmm, there might be some differences inside. Men and women are very different inside. Let's put it another way. Men and women have different natures. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, what? Wait a minute. Where are they going with that? But no, it's, it's true. It's very common. What is a nature? A nature is a complex of attributes, and there are Very identifiable masculine attributes, and there are very identifiable feminine attributes, and they come in a complexity. So uh, it's fair to say men and women have different attributes. Men and women are different. All right, Pastor Steve, why are we studying this? Well, I have six reasons, which is too many. I'm making the podcast too long. But anyway, six reasons. Number one, here's why we're doing this. Because in our day, there are lots, there is no shortage. There are lots of influential people who actually believe that men and women are basically the same. This podcast is to help you know better. Here's a second reason why we're doing this. Because there is, in our day, from some quarters, a massive and incessant attack against men, against masculinity. We're discovering in many outlets that, things like this, women are better than men in everything. Here's a quote. Women are not equal to men. They are superior to men in many ways, and in most ways that will count in the future. Women are better than men and everywhere that counts. It is not just a matter of culture or upbringing. This is interesting. They admit it's not. It is a matter of chromosomes, genes, hormones, and nerve circuits. They're right. There are differences at that level. It is not mainly because of how experience shapes women, but because of intrinsic differences in the body and the brain. They're saying women are not e- women are not equal. They're better. There's a lot of this going on now. And I'm not here to say men are better. I'm here to say we're both good, but we're different. Both wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made, but different. Here's another one. Maleness is a, this is a quote, birth defect. Here's another part of the quote. Maleness is a disorder. And here's another one. Maleness is due to androgen, that would be testosterone, poisoning. There's lots of that out there. Here's another one, different source. Men are unnecessary. A woman can do anything a man can do, which is just absolutely not true, and vice versa is absolutely not true. A woman can do anything a man can do and better. All right, I'm waiting to see the first woman to play for the Ravens. Hmm, there are some differences. So uh, others say, this is not a quote, but men are the problem on the planet. We hear about toxic masculinity. Have you heard of that? Like nobody's talking about toxic femininity. Actually, I, I heard somebody talk about that recently. Women can be toxic too but uh, there's an effort to turn men into women. This is in the workplace. This is called sensitivity training. What is that? It means we're gonna make you more like a woman. Woman, women are more sensitive than men. That's one of the wonderful things about them. It's one of the ways that they're better than men at something. So we're doing this because there's an all out attack on masculinity. Here's a third reason we're doing this, because it will literally help you with your marriage. So if you're a man and you're married, if you're a woman and you're married, uh, knowing how men and women differ will really help you in your marriage. It will help you to adjust your expectations for the other one. I'll give you an example. So early on, we were married. Debbie and I were married. 75, we got married. There were no GPS gizmos on on your phone. There were no cell phones. There was no GPS in your dashboard. You had this thing called a Rand McNally Atlas, and you had to find your way on a map. So we're in my little Fiat 128 sedan going somewhere, and I'm driving, and she's the she's the navigator. She's got the map. Only problem is my woman. She's an amazing woman, but she can't read maps. It's the visuospatial thing. Uh, she struggles to know what's left and what's right. Has to think about that. Wait, my rings on my left. That's left. Uh, like lots of women do that. So she really struggled leading maps, reading maps. Uh, I've said sometimes GPS saved my marriage because she doesn't have to read maps anymore. Man, there were tense times, like, I'm coming up on an exit. I need to know, is it this exit? Am I supposed to turn here? Come on, I need to know. And she's saying she's turning the map. I, I don't know. I can't tell. Uh, this is a very common challenge for women. See, I thought back then, maybe she is not as smart as I thought she was. No, women come out just as smart as men on IQ tests, which, by the way, have been doctored, however, so that neither one comes out better. You could doctor them in such a way that all women will look better. You could doctor them in such a way that all men will look better. They've been doctored, so we all come out looking good. But you see, that's the thing. We're good in different ways. If you created a test that's good for men, women wouldn't do well on it. If you created a test for women, men wouldn't do well on it. So they've kind of leveled things in the test. Well, I thought, maybe she's not as smart as I thought she was. She can't read a map. Now I realize, no, actually, this is a very common problem. This is why there are hardly any air traffic controllers who are women, almost none. I think it's 3% of air traffic controllers are women. Why? Well, they're just not interested in it because it isn't fun to them, and men really dig it, really love it. But also, a lot of women would struggle with that. It's not, I read an article recently, that it's because of the oppressive patriarchy they're not letting women into the schools. Actually, they're begging women to come into the schools so that they'll look better. But anyway, this will help your marriage. You understand your wife better. You understand your husband better. Why doesn't my husband like changing diapers? I love changing diapers. There are studies. There are tests. There is data. Women actually love changing diapers. It's a wonderful relational experience, nurturing and caring for that little baby. Men hate it. Men just hate, like, I'll do it because I got to do it, but I'm dealing with a baby and poop, and I just don't like it. Men don't like it. It'll help your marriage to understand why. Here's another reason we're doing this, reason number four. We're doing this to glorify the God who made us, male and female. If you're a female, you glorify God by being a female. If you're a male, you glorify God by being a male. It helps to know what female is and what male is in our day. Here's a fifth reason why we're doing this. This is where it gets really interesting, and this might be the thing that started me down this track, started me studying it years ago, started me thinking we'll do a podcast on this. Here's why we're doing it. Reason number five, to explain why God in the Bible assigns men and women different roles, different roles in the family and different roles in the church. Like, why would he do that? Because we're all the same. We're all equal. We all have the same talent. So why do men get to have that role and women don't? Get, it's not fair. Why would God God assign men and different and women different roles? Why can't women be pastors? Why can't women be the head of the household? Why does anybody have to be head of the home? When you understand the differences between men and women, And you recognize that the role God assigns to a man maps to a man's unique nature, and the role God assigns to a woman maps to her unique nature. The roles fit the natures, and it's a beautiful thing, and it's a complementary thing. So it'll help you to understand why God in the Bible assigns different roles in the home and in the church. Here's the sixth reason why we're doing this. So that we could understand that men and women are, in fact, designed, made, crafted, fueled, and wired, as I just said a moment ago, for those different roles. All right, I got ahead of that. That's number six, but I had already said it. Enough. So how about a little bit more tantalizing data? Going to be a lot of this today, less next time. Uh, There's going to be a part two to this one. All right, so a lot of this today. Let's think about horses again, but this time let's think about actual horses, live horses. Horses are in my life our oldest son lives five minutes away from where we are. They have a little horse farm. They've got two horses on the farm. The girls are horse crazy. They ride horses. They love horses. And then there's a son over there, and he's not the least bit interested in horses. I know my data bank is too small, but there's been lots of studies in this. And girls and boys think about and feel about horses very differently. Uh, I'm not talking about on a working farm. Their guys are into horses because a horse is a tool. It's like a truck it can help me get my jobs done. I'm not talking about on a fox hunt because there's a job where hunting foxes, the horse can help me do that. I'm talking about the recreational use of horses. You know it's almost entirely girls. It's almost entirely women. Like where have you even heard of parents bought a horse for their son? That just doesn't happen. Why? Because girls are interested in the horse as a living being with whom they can have an amazing relationship. And they get to nurture the horse and groom the horse and feed the horse and care for the horse. They love the horse. It's almost like it has human attributes. They love nurturing it. They love riding it. It's an amazing experience with a great, big, fascinating, gorgeous living creature. If a girl has a horse, she loves the horse. She even loves the three-inch tall plastic ones that remind her of it. Boys, not so much. It's like my G.I. Joe. Why do I want a horse? It doesn't do anything unless you're on a working farm, unless you're hunting fox. It's like why would I want a horse? Uh, they're just not interested. Give a boy a plastic horse, here's what he might wind up doing. He'll he'll make a catapult and see how hard he can launch it against the wall. He'll line them up out there and see if he can hit them with his BB gun. He's going to find something he can do probably kind of destructively with the little, the little plastic horses. And then he's going to say once he loses them all cuz he catapulted them into the pond or the forest or something. Mom, can I get some more horses? They're ammo. He needs more ammo. To a boy, to a man, a horse is a thing, a tool, a means toward an end. To a girl, to a woman, a horse is something you love and enjoy a relationship with. Men and women are different. So here's an insight. Let's bring this back around the scripture a little bit right now. In the garden, at the temptation of our first parents, an an animal had a conversation with Eve. Eve had a conversation with an animal. There was an animal talking to her. We don't know whether uh, any other animals had ever talked to her, presumably not, because there was something special going on with this animal, hor- horribly special, but an animal talked to her. Uh, why, did the, why did the serpent go to her and not directly to him? Because he understood something about her nature, and he understood something about his nature. He was wily. He had been observing them. And in the garden... When the animal had the conversation with Eve, Eve, having fallen, explains herself to God, Genesis 3.16, the serpent deceived me. Why, he tricked me. The serpent deceived me. Now, the Apostle Paul picks that up in 1 Timothy 2.14 and writes, Adam... Was not deceived, but the woman. By the way, he leaves the name Eve out and he turns to the more generic woman. Like, this is not a problem just for Eve. This is a problem more for generic womanhood. But the woman was deceived. It's actually a strong Greek word, it's very intensified. It has like a super duper, a hyper on the front of it. The woman was totally deceived. In other words, the devil absolutely bamboozled her, pulled the wool over her eyes. And this is one of Paul's two reasons why the woman should not be deceived. Teaching, pastoring Christ's church. Anyway, more on that. Don't go, don't go to the wrong place with that yet. Don't go to somewhere that I don't intend to go with that. How come the serpent didn't go straight for Adam? And how come Adam wasn't deceived? It's not that Adam was smarter, and nobody's saying men are smarter, but some people are saying women are smarter. Nobody's smarter. It's not about varying intelligence. It's this to the woman, The snake was a beautiful animal to have, to enjoy a relationship with, to enjoy a conversation with. And so enjoying that relationship, it was more difficult for Eve to see the threat. See, Eve has more to her. She's more complex than the man. She has more sides to her. She has more things tugging on her when the serpent is talking to her. And the relational aspects of talking with a snake seemed to have befuddled her, and she didn't see what he was really up to. Not Adam. Adam was not deceived. Adam was capable of non-relational, steely, cold reasoning about the snake, about its words, and about what God had said. To Adam, the snake was a thing. And the truth that God had uttered was a thing. And there were, there were no powerful relational impulses to compete in Adam's soul with steely, cold reasoning. Eve was, Eve is, more complex. There's reasoning. Nobody's saying woman can't reason well. Women do reason well. We know that. But there's also a relationship. There's more going on in there. And the powerful demands of that relationship. And it's all one in many women's psyche, it's hard to divide relationship from reasoning. Jumping ahead, and what we're talking about in this podcast, just a glimpse to something that's coming in the future is that maybe one reason why God says, I only want the men to be the pastors and not the women, is because there are wolves. And it might be harder, it might be more difficult for a female pastor to identify someone in the flock who's probably a nice person as a wolf having a relationship with that person, it gets more complex. To the guy with steely coldness, he can just say, that's a wolf. We got to deal with that. To put this in terms of big five, you know what the big five is? There are various psychometric tests. Like there's the Enneagram. Don't go there. It's junk. Uh, There's the Myers-Briggs. It's also now discredited. The, The one on the planet that is really reliable is the big five. So one of the things that big five measures is called Uh, Agreeableness. If you score high in agreeableness, and women score uh, much higher than men on average in agreeableness. Agreeableness means the relationship is so important, I'm going to do what I can do to make us get along. Someone who's less agreeable will say, I'm not really worried about the relationship. We're not doing that. We're going to do this. And the relationship will have to suffer. So women are way more, to use a different word, empathetic than men. This is a great strength, but it's also a problem when it comes to dealing with wolves in the flock. It's harder for a woman to say, no, you, that nice person with whom they have a relationship, you're a wolf. Easier for a man to do that. Now, let me pause and clarify something just so you don't get this wrong. We need women and we need men. We need who and what women are and we need who and what men are. We need all of the above. Children need both. They need a man in their life. Hats off to the single moms who raise their kids. They'd probably be the first ones to agree with that. I wish I had a man, too, for my kids. But they need a man in their life, and they need a woman in their life. Why? Because they're different. They need both. But, to mention someone I mentioned earlier, we live in an age in which there's lots of male bashing. There's toxic masculinity. And so we need to defend why God in the Bible assigns males the role of head in the home and the role of pastor in the church. So, so we're going to talk about men a lot. Want some more trivia? Give you some relief here. Here's some more trivia. We'll get to Scripture soon, if not by the end of this episode, in the next one. Trivia. Men prefer books written by men and women, prefer books written by women, and the difference is stark. It's dramatic. Women read 80% fiction. Fiction is about people and relationships and romance and marriage. Men hardly read any fiction at all. And if they do, it's the latest Jack Carr's The Terminal List series. There's about five or six of those by now. And you're a Navy SEAL when you read that book. Men, however, when they're not reading fiction, and they rarely read fiction, men read history, politics, and business. It's not because anybody has socialized them to be that different. It's because their DNA drives them to be interested in different things. Men and women read very different literature because they're interested in different things. Men and women have different musical tastes. Nobody socialized that into them. It's not the oppressive patriarchy. It's in our DNA. It's who we are. There's about 30% of what women like in music that men don't like. There's about 30% of what men like in music that women don't like. We're very different. Men and women want very different things on the job. This is really interesting. So I'm working now from this book, Human Diversity, by Charles Murray. It's a fabulous book. And uh, on page 69, here's a a study, a very reputable study. What are the things that men value in a job versus what are the things that women value in a job? So I'll go with women first. Here are the things that women want. They wanted these things more than men. Having a part-time career for a limited time time period was top on the woman's list for a job. Second, having a part-time career entirely. I'll I'll stay in it. That was second best. Next, working no more than 40 hours in a week. Next, having strong friendships on the job. Next, having flexibility in my work schedule. You know why, because she's the one nurturing the kids. She's the one getting them to school. She's the one taking them to the doctor. Even where you have a couple with, uh, they both have good full-time jobs. Guess who does 90% of the nurturing? It's the mom. It really is. She wants community service as part of the job. She wants having time to socialize as part of the job. She wants giving back to the community. What do men want? Here's the man's list. The men said, what I want is the prospect of receiving criticism from others. No, the men said this, pardon me. The prospect of receiving criticism from others does not inhibit me from expressing my thoughts. None of the women wanted that one. The men want a merit-based pay system. The men want having a full-time career. The men want inventing or creating something that will have an impact. The men want a salary that is well above the average person's. The men want, quote, I believe that society should invest in my ideas because they are more important than those of other people in my discipline. The men want being able to take risks on my job. The men want working with things, computers, tools, machines as part of their job. And the men said the possibility of making somebody else uncomfortable doesn't deter me from stating the facts. Finally, the men want having lots of money. Interesting. Men and women differ dramatically in what they want on the job. Did you know that men and women have different kinds of friendships? What I mean by that is when two guys have a friendship, it's a very different thing than when two girls have a friendship on average. I don't know if you have realized that. don't know if you ever thought about that. The friendship of two men is not the same animal as the friendship of two women. It doesn't do the same thing. Well, what do you mean? And by the way, the difference is not one of degree. It's a difference of magnitude. It's a difference of kind. Male friendships are task-oriented. They're about things and systems. They're doing something together. They're going fishing together. That's the task. They're playing football together. That's the task. Female friendships are highly relational. They're about people. They're about nurturing relationships. Let me read you a wee bit from another book. This is Anthony Esselin's book, No Apologies, and I'm going to page 71. And on page 71, he says, Women's friendships do not really resemble those of men. Well, how are they different? He says, for the women, the friendship is about, well, friendship, and it's about supporting one another and sharing with one another. For the men, the friendship is about the task. Again, for for the woman, the friendship is about intimacy and emotional connection and support, sharing secrets. Men never do that. Uh, For the men, it's, It's transactional. It's a shared activity. For the women, it's let's talk about how we feel about something. It's a way of unloading stress, talking about how I feel about something. For men, they would rather die than talk about how they feel about something. Men and women are very different, even in their friendships. Men don't talk about problems. They talk about problems with things. I can't get this nut off of that bolt. Can you help me? What should I do? It's very solution-oriented. Women are very relational versus task-oriented. It will help you if you understand that about your wife. It will help you if you understand that about your husband. Why does your husband not want to listen to long accounts of what happened and how I felt? and so? Because he's really not made to get that. Women and men are made differently. All right, I've given you way too much trivia, but let me just blow something past you real fast, all right? So this is to indicate that men and women are different. 90% of all people in jail are men. So are men and women different? Like, how did that happen if we're all the same? 90% of all bricklayers are men. Only 3% of bricklayers are women. Is that because of the evil patriarchy keeping women out of bricklaying? No, it's because women say, I don't wanna lay bricks. They're not interested. Men like building things. Plus, laying bricks is really physically demanding, and, you know, it's going to be hard for a woman to do that. By contrast, 86% of all nurses are women. One of my sons is a nurse. He's really outnumbered. He tells me when they have somebody really heavy to move on the bed, they call Andrew. Go get Andrew. He'll help move this, this person. of all nurses are women. Why? Because it's about people. It's about relationships. It's about nurturing. It's about caring. Women love that. They're fueled for that. They're driven for that. Men, not so much. Only 16% of engineers are women. 84% of them are men. 97% by contrast of early child educators are women. Thank God for them. My first and second year teacher, first and second grade teacher, same teacher both years, Mrs. Turner. Man, I loved Mrs. Turner. Mrs. Lawyer in fourth grade, not so much. But Mrs. Turner was wonderful. Um, She was like a second mom to me. 97% of early child educators are women. Why? Is somebody just oppressing them and forcing them into that? No, they choose it because they love it. Here's a very interesting statistic. Maybe you'll get a kick out of this one. I don't know if you've noticed this, but 100% of all mothers are women. Well, at least so far, to somebody who works on some kind of a surgery that's going to change that one day. Here's an interesting one. Only 16% of commercial pilots are women. It's the visuospatial thing. And only 16% of air traffic controllers are women. It's not oppression. It's, they don't like it. They're not interested. And they don't feel themselves particularly talented at the visuospatial thing. Women aren't interested. Um, so there's a whole lot of things that men and women differ on. You want to hear some more? You guys in the studio, you want to hear some more? Some more? Okay. So women aren't interested in being a race car driver. Now, every now and then there is one, and she's really good, and so you know the news plasters are everywhere. But she's like one in a thousand. Women aren't interested in being engineers, architects. Women aren't as good at billiards as men. Now, there are women who are into billiards, not that many, but but the very best woman – would struggle to beat a very mediocre male billiard player. And 87% of that field is men. Why? It's the visio thing. There's a massive gap at the top. That's why men and women are in different leagues so far. Uh, very few m- women want to be a nuclear engineer. They're just not interested. Men dig that stuff. Chess. You play chess? I've played some chess here and there. I'm probably no good at it at all. Women aren't that interested in chess. Men love chess. Let me read you another little piece from Estlin's book. This will be page 55 this time. Just take me a second to find it. And here we go. This is amazing. Um, he says, Consider the sheer uselessness of a chess prodigy. In other words, what purpose does that serve? It doesn't grow any food. It's just, what's chess about? What's it for? It's sheerly useless. But Think about this guy. In 1924, Alexander Alekine, one of the greatest players who ever lived, played 26 games simultaneously against strong competition, get this, while blindfolded. And he won 16 of them, lost five of them, and uh, five of them were a draw. It's just kind of crazy. That's a masculine thing. Men and women are made differently, and women aren't even interested in in that kind of thing. Here's another quote men love wrenching, twisting, pounding, cutting, building, tracking down, and killing. Man, that's true. I haven't done any physical labor in a long, long time. And I got invited over to a son's house recently for two different parts, two different days to help build a barn. And I found out I loved it. So did the young men who were there, swinging hammers and carrying heavy things. We just loved it. Men and women are different. Now, I've been talking about how men and women are different, and and I've been skewing it more toward what men can do. What about women? You know women are amazing at multitasking, and men aren't? That's why most secretaries are women. Secretaries really have to multitask, and men don't dig that. Men aren't good at that. So It literally astounds me. Let me just make up an example. So here it is. A woman can be watching TV, and she's absolutely tracking with that program. Her husband sitting beside her, this would be WME, is having trouble tracking with the plot, and he periodically asks her, can we pause it, and you explain to me what's going on. This happens with WME. This happens commonly with men and women. So a woman can be watching TV with her husband and talking on the phone, and she's tracking with the TV show and she's tacking, tracking with the phone conversation. I could never do that. And she's listening to and monitoring the conversation in the next room while she's working on five different things that are cooking at once in the kitchen and need to be done at the same time. I can never do that. I can cook one thing. I go nuts if I have to do three things or five things. I can't do it. And she's doing all that, get this, while changing a diaper effortlessly all day, every day, when she's only had four hours sleep, every night for the past week. Men, not so much. Like, if we're watching TV and my phone rings and I need to answer it, we have to stop the TV. Stop the TV. I have to pay attention. I can only do one thing at a time. Let me get my phone. When we start the TV again, I might have to have her remind me. Now, what was the plot? What was going on? Where were things? A man can't text and watch a TV show. He has to stop or he's going to miss what's in the TV show. Here's another way that women outdo men. Women are amazing from a very early age at reading facial expressions and knowing how the other person is feeling, knowing what the other person is thinking. It's uncanny. So this next part is from a book I read by a neuroscientist, a woman, and in it she describes a girl and a boy in the playground, a young girl and a young boy, and the girl gets on the top of the sliding board and it looks a little scary. And she just glances at mommy standing a little way over there. And mommy doesn't say a word. It's just instantly the look on mommy's face tells her, it's okay. Go ahead, slide down. You can do this. And she slides down and it's okay. The boy gets to the top of the sliding board and he, he too might have some apprehension or he might just barrel down head first, but he might have some apprehension, but he doesn't look at mommy's face for approval because he is not aware of what any expressions on mommy's face mean. Literally. He's not even aware of the fact that mommy's facial expressions can mean something. Mommy's kind of a faceless person who loves him very much. Women are way, way better at reading nuances of what was said, how it was said, why it was said, what was not said, what was meant by it. Very important things in human interactions. Women are way better at nurturing. Men are horrible at nurturing. I'll confess to it. I'm horrible at nurturing. Somebody said, if there were only men, and yet somehow you still had infants on the planet, all infants would die. And the human race would disappear because there would be no nurturing. So... Lots of people want to tell you that all the, but the differences are due to socialization. But no, the data is overwhelming. It's from the womb, it's by nature. Men and women are different. Now, let me clarify. We're not talking about more or less value, more or less worth, more or less dignity. We're not saying one's smarter than the other, but smart in different ways. Different interests, equal intelligence, driven to different ends, fueled for different roles. Also, we're talking on average here. Let me clarify this. We're talking on average. just about to get to some Bible, so hang in there with me, please. We're talking on average. So you're going to picture a bell curve. You know what a bell curve is. And so you make one for a man and make one for a woman, and then you have to move the two bell curves this way a little bit, and there's going to be some overlap, but a lot of difference. But there's some overlap. So what really happens is some men, this is due to what testosterone did in the womb, out of the womb, and at puberty, some men have fewer masculine characteristics than some women, or say it the other way, some women have greater masculine characteristics than some men. Now in our day, we've just suddenly decided, hey, let's try this horrible human experience, and let's say such men are in fact women, and such women are in fact men. No, they're not, that's still a woman, that's still a man, but the fact of the matter is there are women who are more on the masculine end of their bell curve, and there are men who are more on the feminine end of their bell curve, and what we're talking about here today is on average. But here's what we're also talking about. If you go out to the long tails, here's the long tail of the masculine bell curve, and here's the long tail of the feminine bell curve, and there's a lot of people out there. Those, that woman and that man are dramatically different. They are ginormously different. You might want to figure out, where are my wife and I on the bell curves? How can I understand her? Her better. And again, this is due to what happens in the womb at birth and at puberty with testosterone, which the males get way bigger doses of. And testosterone is a signaling chemical that says, Develop in this way, don't stay that way. Without testosterone, both would develop feminine. But testosterone comes in and changes the male. That's why that earlier quote said, What, what did they call it? It wasn't a curse, but it was something like that. Uh, that's why that happens. All right, enough. What I want to do now is turn to some Bible, and we're going to have just a couple more minutes here, and we're going to draw this to a close, so hope you'll stay with me. So let's go to some Bible, and then later we'll have some more psychology. That'll be next week, Lord willing. In the Bible, God assigns some different roles for men and women. In the family, he says the husband is to be head. Husband, you are head. God says you are head. Not just you should be, you are head. The only question is, are you a good one? or a bad one. The only question is, do you, do you lead in your headship in a way that is principled and self-denying and loving and beneficent? What kind of head are you? But you are a head, and the Bible says your wife is to be in submission to you. The word in submission is, is hupatasso to submit yourself. Hupatasso. it means literally to stand under, or it means to rank yourself under. Like if a cop pulls you over, you don't say, who are you to pull? No, he's a cop. You stand under him. You rank yourself on. He might be your next door neighbor and you know he kicks his dog and he yells at his wife. But when he pulls you over, he outranks you and you say, yes, sir. And no, sir. The husband is the head and the wife is to be in submission to him. Ephesians 5, 22 and following 1 Corinthians 11:3 three and seven through nine, 1 Peter three, one through three. So the family, what about the church? In the Bible, God says the office of pastor is restricted to men, and the public preaching and teaching where adult males are present is restricted to men. 1 Corinthians 14, 33b-35, 1 Timothy 2, 8-14. to Why? Now, here's one of the things that made me think I want to do a podcast on this, and here's one of the things that made me think, man, I want to really dig into this. What are the differences between men and women? Because people are asking, Why? See, their assumption is we're all the same. Men and women are the same. Yeah, there are outside physical differences, but on the inside, we're all the same thing. So why would God say, well, then only the men should do the preaching in church. Only the men should be leading the church. Why would God do that? Because we're all the same. Is God like discriminating against women or something? Again, their working assumption is we're all the same. It seems to be assumed That when God came to assigning different gender roles, he said, well, look, I made a family. There's a man and a woman. Hmm. I think somebody's got to lead. Like somebody's got to have the last word or something. By the way, that's not the big part about leading. But anyway, somebody's got to have the last word. Should it be the man or the woman? Man, I don't know. You know, they're the same. I'll just flip a coin. And God flipped a coin. Gabriel called it heads. It was heads. The man, you're going to be the leader. People seem to have it in their minds that God, for reasons completely in, undiscernible to us, uh, said that the man would be the leader. And they don't realize that the role maps to the nature, and the nature maps to the role. It's not that it could have gone either way. It's that God made, constructed, put together the man for that role. He fits it. And then and God made the woman, constructed her, put her together for that role, and it fits her. So we should glory in the differences and glory in the roles, and together we do good things on the planet. So again, when somebody says, well, why would God assign this role to men and that role to women? I want to answer, you know what? It doesn't matter if you understand why. If you have a high view of Scripture, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I submit to you, Lord. Mine is not to reason why, but simply to obey. We don't want to offer God our obedience only if and when he has disclosed to our satisfaction the why of the issue. So don't be too big with your why. You can have a gentle why that says, hmm, I wonder why, I want to figure this out. Or you can have a kind of a rebellious why. Why? I don't get it. Don't have the rebellious why. And why does God assign different roles? Well, I've said it too many times already, but I'll say it again, because he made us differently for different roles. All right, let's get back to a little bit of Bible, and then we're going to bring this to a close in about three minutes. So back to the Bible. Later we'll go back to some of what psychology finds about men and women. We're going to look, starting now, at passages that indicate that men and women have different natures and are made for different roles. So we opened with Genesis chapter 1, male and female made he them. And we notice that they're different, at least bodily, right? The bodily differences map to different roles. Adam, we see in the curse, his, his main relationship, his main, uh, what happened to him because of the curse is his work is now going to change. It's going to be harder working in the field. He's made bigger and stronger. He sweats more so he can cool his body faster. His heart is nearly twice as long as hers so he can pump more oxygen throughout his body while he's working hard. Um, Adam is made larger. That should tell us, hmm, maybe that's for a different role is made not as large and, frankly, softer, not as hard with, with muscle and so on. Hmm, maybe she's made softer for a different role. And by the way, please don't mistake me. I'm not saying anything like barefoot and pregnant. No, you read Proverbs 31, and that Proverbs 31 woman, she was amazing. She's into marketing. She's got shipping going on. Her products are bringing them in money. She, uh, She's made so many good things. She's not worried about them not having food later in the year. Uh, there's something I'm missing there. She was, she was into manufacturing some stuff. So this is not at all about barefoot and pregnant. I'm a pastor at Cornerstone Church. We employ women who have husbands and who have children, and we're very happy to employ them. My wife has been employed one way or another almost the entire time I've been married to her. She is now retired. Bless her. So I'm not saying barefoot and pregnant, not at all, but I am saying we get a hint from Genesis chapter 1, hmm, their bodies differ. He's a lot bigger, and frankly, you probably don't realize how much, and a lot stronger than her, and she's softer and sweeter and more gentle. Hmm, it almost looks like they're made for different things, doesn't it? Hmm, interesting. Well, I would love to go on with this, but that's going to have to be in two weeks. So thank you for joining me today. I'm going to draw it to a close. What's the main point? You got it. Men and women are different. I hope you'll join me next time. We'll talk more about how they're different. We'll go through more scripture. We'll look at some more of what modern psychology tells us. And hey, before I let you go, if you liked this, you could do us a big favor. The best thing you could do for us to help this podcast get out is if you could uh, give us a review. Just write a brief review for us. Thank you very much for doing that. So I'm Steve Hartland. This is Grounded. We're drawing it to a close. Hope to see you again.